Hey, what's going on, everybody? Thank you for checking out the newest episode of the Skyward Cast. I am Joey Craig, aka the Skyward King, here with my co-host, Mr. Delvin Cox. What's going on, man? M-E-T-H-O-D, man. M-E-T-H-O-D, man. What's up, brother? How you doing? <laughs> that was it. I expected like a good 30 seconds. No, because everybody knows that song. You should. That's method, man. I'm not going into that. I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah. For the continuation of this podcast, you better not say you don't know that song. Just keep it quiet. Right. I, I, I really don't, though, but. Oh, right. my. Shall uh, <laughs> hey, get on this case about this? Look, um, I, I, you're supposed to be sending me, like, you know, like send me a playlist or something, man, like, so I can, so I can start to learn this stuff. I'm going to have to. Anybody who's listened to this podcast, send Joey Craig all of your 90s hip-hop songs that are hot. Don't send them all the trash ones. Don't send them all the ones that everybody knows. Don't send them Hammer. Not saying Hammer's trash, but don't send them the stuff that everybody knows. Send them stuff like Wu-Tang, Nas, Mob Deep, Old School Jay-Z, um, Children of the Corn, stuff like that. <laughs> Big L. One of these days, I'll actually be like, yeah, I know that song. <laughs> and I know, I, I listen to 90s music. I was surrounded by 90s music. But but then also, my family was more R&B. So, you know, we it was every night the boombox was playing a lot of really, really good R&B music. So we got, we got in the night, we got into hip hop, but that was like way later on. There's nothing wrong with 90s R&B. 90s R&B is probably one of the best forms of R&B there was. Oh, yes. I, I hate the Definitely. fact that R&B is kind of dead for all purposes of right now. It's not really R&B. It's mostly like it's like this rap type R&B that's not really what R&B used to be. R&B had this feel where it was like what I always used to like about R&B was R&B artists like Jodeci and um, High Five and even Boys of Men for this matter had their candid ability to make getting a girl's panties off sound so romantic and so cool and it wasn't so as raunchy as it is now. Like, for example, mm -hmm. listen to the Future song. No, there's nothing romantic about what Future's saying. Even yeah, um, Future's is hip-hop. I mean, but yeah, it's but like, it's, it's weird because it's like, they sing so much, you're not sure. Is like, is this supposed to be singing? So would this technically be R and B or is but, it hip hop? But that's my point. Like, the, the R and B of today is not really R and B. It's more like hip hop, and it's more like a thug music, which is funny because most of these cats are not thugs at all. No offense to them, but they know they're not thugs. But so, but it has this thug feel to it. It's not the same. Like before, there was this clear, distinct line between what R&B was and what hip-hop is. Now that line is kind of blurred where R&B artists want to be hip-hop artists and hip-hop artists want to be R&B singers and it's kind of messing up what true R&B was. True, true, like on the mainstream uh, part, but I mean, there's still a whole bunch of artists like making legit R&B like but it's it's never the stuff that you hear as the singles because this they just, if they made it a single it just wouldn't jump so yeah the R&B artists they're usually kind of making R&B hip-hop fusion 
and then uh, there's a whole bunch of melody to the hip hop now. So yeah, but it's like if you listen to a Chris Brown or Trey songs or or even a, a Bryson Tiller, like man, you, have you heard his albums? Like I mean, he raps and sings, but a lot of it is really singing, and it has like a it's heavily influenced by '90s R&B. Um, and there's and then a lot of people that used to make music back when arm when that sound was just so good they still make music they just don't get that mainstream um attention so i mean i still listen to like joe and i i i, I kind of check out what avant has going on everyone every now and then but then he kind of did this thing where he started making like real jazzy music and it was it's no longer that I guess kind of like panty dropper music he was making early 2000s, late 90s. So it's it's kind of away from what he used to do. But, you know, it's, it's still there. It's just I wish we could switch that back. But I mean, it, it has a lot to do with um, what they choose to play. And um, like radio still has a lot of influence and they just they play what people what they know people already want to hear instead of giving people a boost like they used to. Yeah. That is kind of true. Like, you know, radio, even like they be, even the are like even the station that were supposed to be like specifically R and B, they're playing like Drake. That's their version of R and B now. So it's kind of weird and it's kind of like this kind of funny thing where R and B is not really R and B no more. Which but is he cool. He does like, make R and B music though. He Drake does. does. And to his credit, even though I don't like the way he personally sings, but he actually makes R&B records. He makes like ballads and stuff like that. He makes actual what is traditionally known as R&B traps, tracks. Mm-hmm. So I can't knock him for that. He's not, it's not, now he makes those songs where I can't, I guess you can call it trapping me, like it's R&B trap music. But he does make R&B songs. So it's kind of, kind of weird to say that, but I can't but, knock him for that. But then he'll make like some real, like, R&B, R&B type music. Like you heard that song you had with Michael Jackson or well, the, the clip, I you know, that. like the sample of Michael Jackson. I hate it. I, the one that's on Scorpion, right? Yeah. I don't like that song at all. But I, I understand what he was doing. I understand the fact that, uh, you know, it's R&B. Like I say, Drake does, Drake's one of the few artists who do make, does make R&B records still. So can't knock him for that. Yeah. If you haven't, you need to listen to... Um, well, all Teenage albums, Fever. Teenage all Fever, have a, Yeah, sort of but a R&B I, song on it. You know what album is just of his is extremely underrated. Um, views, views, like it got so much hype ahead of time, and people had these expectations. There, I guess they expected it to be like another. Um, what was that album? It was real fire. It was his second album, Take Care. They expected it to be like another Take Care, and it wasn't that. But it was still really, really good. It has like some of his best tracks on it. No, no, no. I take that back. Teenage Fever is not. Teenage Fever is not views. I take that back. That's um, that mixtape that he came out with. But dang it, there was another track on there that was just really fire. But anyway, he had that that album is still extremely underrated. I wasn't a fan of views, but I understand why people would like it. I think um, Drake. I honestly speaking, I want to hear a Drake rapping album. I don't want to hear no more. I'm not saying he shouldn't do it, I'm, but I would like him to put out a whole album of him rapping. 
Because I think that's what people want to hear from him right now. I think it's gotten to that point of him kind of playing both sides of the fence so long in terms of like, okay, half my album is going to be, well, not even half. 25% of my album is going to be hip-hop. 25% of my album is going to be reggae, soul, these weird kind of experiments I'm going to do. 25% of my album is going to be R&B. And 25% of my album is going to be these pop hits or like these um trap-type music. People, he's been doing that for so long. And yeah, it's been working, but the thing about Drake, and I think is interesting about him, is that a lot of his fans don't like the same things. Like his hip hop fans don't necessarily like all his singing tracks, and his singing track fans don't necessarily like all the hip hop tracks. Yeah, and his reggae fans don't necessarily like all the other tracks, and it kind of messes it up. So you have one audience saying, "Oh, this album was great because he's doing all this singing on it," and that same group of Drake fans on the other side be like, no, this album was terrible. We're all the hip-hop songs. And I think that's what kind of sets Drake apart from anybody else because let's say Pusha T, not to like go into the Pusha T, that wasn't what I was trying to say at all, but mm-hmm. Pusha T puts out a whole hip-hop album and people kind of like, yeah, this is it. This is awesome. You know, this is what we want. Whereas Drake kind of tries to push boundaries and it, for the most part, it comes out with mixed results. He it's like he can't please everybody, even though he's chopping topping charts regardless. Either way, yeah. because of his commercial success and his commercial appeal, because Drake is kind of like that everyday guy. And we we clown him for like, oh, he's sensitive, he's that, but he comes off as the boy next door. And I think that works to his advantage. Yeah, but I, I like he he's kind of in an interesting position though, because it's like knowing that a lot of his biggest hits were those pop pop r&b-ish kind of hits you know what i'm saying the the the, or the like island influence stuff like you know the one dance and the um hotline blings like he needs to have a lot of that in my feelings to to keep those you know to keep that it's like to keep the the part of his fan base that makes him the most money happy basically you know what i'm saying so i would love for him to just come through with an album that's majority hip-hop but then he would kind of get his fans in with you know that pop stuff because of course it would be singles and then he would get them in and be like whoa this album is kind of like this isn't my flavor so he you got to kind of appeal to everyone and give a little bit of this a little bit of that i wish he would kind of step back you know, a little more from the that trap rap, you know, sounding stuff, you know, less Migos, less two chains, more like old school, take care, straight, crazy bars, you know, where he's on a track with Jay-Z and he actually sounds like they're actually close in level, like as far as skill. I think now that I think about it, I think there's a middle ground to this that I think would work perfectly that he probably should look into trying to do. And it's simple. Just put out a mixtape. Yeah, he always does best with the with the mixtapes or just, playlists, like he like he said for that last one. Um, don't do a playlist. Do like, just do a straight, this is a mixtape. Let it be known, this is a mixtape. This is just hip hop, Drake spitting. This is not an album. Don't even promote it like it's an album. Just say, hey, this is Drake spitting. Like, and and go, to the, go to the point where it's like, um, I wouldn't even say like give it give it away for free. I don't know if the machine would allow him to do that though. 
he's you know what I'm saying? I think he's, he, he's big enough where he can do stuff like that, where he can like... Nah, you got to understand, like, he's big, his brand is big, but there's a bunch of moving parts behind that, you know what I'm saying? And the idea of him talking about trying to give away a mixtape for free, I don't think all the people that maintain the Drake brand, the OVO brand, would actually give him the freedom to do that. Because he's always talked about wanting to do, I'm going to come out with an R&B mixtape. I'm going to come out with this and that. And, this. and it's like, it just doesn't happen. You know what I'm saying? And we get little bits and pieces of it. We might get a, a unreleased track a couple of times. But I, as far as like a full project, I just, I, I don't think that the people behind the scenes would actually allowed to happen you know all those remember like when that when that crap happened with Pusha T and we had people coming from behind the scenes that kind of speak up for Drake like yeah. those are the people that really pull the strings behind the scenes I don't think they would like that that's the reason why he came out uh, what was his name um Jay something Jay, Jay Prince. Prince that's the reason why he came out because it's like well hey now it's like Pusha he's about to mess with my money so now I got to come out and say something you know what I'm saying so it's it's not just while it seems like that, it's like he's kind of like the president of OVO or the Drake brand, but he's not the only person that has a say. So I don't know if that happened. Yeah, but the thing about it is, and I don't know how we got in this conversation, but since we're here, you get to a point where you get so big as an artist, you have to start making decisions that's not only best for your career, but bigger than, than what, everything else is. You have to take those type of chances. Like, for example, Jay-Z has gotten to that point where he is so big, he can basically say whatever he wants to on record. He doesn't necessarily do records like for pop appeal in terms of like, he does records that he wants to do. Like, for example, let's talk about that Meek Mill record. Did you hear the Meek Mill album yet? Uh, no, not yet. Okay, I recommend you listen to this. Um, It's a song on there called What's Free with Rick Ross, Jay-Z, and uh, Meek Mills, obviously, because this is ours. Mm -hmm. Jay-Z takes his verse on a whole nother level. And this is amazing. He's literally talking about slavery, how the system has screwed us, how people try to put him and Kanye against each other because of their different viewpoints and how, you know, it, it's literally like, almost like a wake up black people message in the song. And I don't think Jay-Z... 15 years ago we'll be making these records but the fact that no. he is he is how he is now and he's he's basically taking the power that he has and using it for good he's like nah I'm gonna start rapping about stuff that matters to me and I think his 444 album was kind of a representation of that yeah and I think it's I think it's good that he, we have artists to do it I, I wish more artists would do that and I think matter of fact let me not go too far because it's another artist who just did that this week Ice Cube album just came out and let me get the name right of his Ice Cubes out because it's doing kind of the same type of thing. It's grown man hip hop with a message to it. But Ice Cube's always been like that. But it's good to see that these older artists are found, finding these lanes. Okay, Ice Cube's album's called Everything's Corrupt for anybody who wants to check it out. Mm -hmm. But it's good to see these older artists finding these lanes and where they're like, they're still being true to themselves but they're not necessarily chasing after that commercial record like they used to have to before. And I think I would hope to see Drake get to that level where he's like, okay, I done made enough money. People are going to follow me no matter what I do because I am this big star and because I do. And whether you like Drake or not, Drake's a trendsetter. He sets the trends. 
people follow the trend. So nah. <laughs> Drake Drake finds trends, little known trends. He'll he'll find something that's popping off in a region but hasn't gone global and then take that and build on it and blow it up. Yeah, but that's then, a trendsetter. That's not a trendsetter. That's that's finding someone, that's finding a trend that hasn't blown up beyond him and then making it seem like like he started the trend to the to those that are out of the know. You but know he what I'm saying? He doesn't necessarily start the trend, but he's setting the standard for that trend. Like he's saying, okay, everybody, this is what's cool now. That's trend. Not that's, that's not necessarily I, saying that he is the one who he brings the trend to the forefront. Like, for example, the whole whole thing about how people complain about Miley Cyrus, because Miley Cyrus was like saying she started twer- twerking. She made she brought twerking to the mainstream, but she didn't invent twerking. Get what I'm saying? Nah, she she what she did was she made it popular in white circles. And she ain't bring nothing to know, and that's the point. So when you take something, when you take something that has been known and been done for like decades before you, and then or or, or more, um, and and then you put your your name gets on it as if you're like the originator, then it's like you're a culture vulture. And that's why some people actually give that label to Drake because he'll go to, it's like he'll go to different places, interact with different people, get a taste of culture that's been there for a long time. And then it's like, he becomes the global face of it while these other people are sitting back there like, bro, like we've been doing this forever. And you just like, you just got here. You just touched it. Like, so that's not, you know. But that's kind of, a thing that Trent should have done. That's kind of what all the big artists do. Like even kind, every big artist kind of does that type of thing. A perfect example of that, let's get back to Jay-Z. The South been doing their thing for a long time. You know, like Ghetto Boys, Poison Clan, Master P and everybody, but nobody was talking about the South really until Jay-Z started hopping on these South records. You get what I'm saying? Like when he's hopping on the high remix and stuff like that and hopping on songs with Lil Wayne and things like that. You know, but, but people were like not giving the South the credit they deserve, you know. T.I. been doing this thing for a minute. Outkast been doing this thing for a minute, but for a long time, people was not giving the South their credit until somebody brought the South to the mainstream saying like, hey, these guys are good. People should really start listening to UGK. People should really start listening to the Ghetto Boys and Mr. Scarface. Now, people in the South are like, we already know about this. Yeah, but he didn't become the face of it, though. He just, it was like, hey, I'm introducing you guys to these people. Now give them a shot. Not, it's not, but it's not, it's not, it's not a trendsetter. You you just kind of introducing to someone, introducing someone. The best way to describe a trendsetter is somebody who sets the trends in terms of like what the younger generation follows. Drake starts wearing Adidas. Everybody starts wearing Adidas. Drake says, hey, throw those Adidas away, go get some Nikes. Everybody starts getting Nikes. Just the same way like Kanye West and these whack-ass Yeezus shoes. Everybody oh, yeah, pays yeah, yeah. pay $340 so, for these shoes, not necessarily because they look so great. It's because they're Kanye West shoes. Same thing with yeah. Michael Jordan. Yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. Like, it's not... I guess, technically, he is... He's setting the trends... I guess, it, but but never, it's never like, okay, he created it. You know, like he's an originator. You know yeah, what I'm saying? I wouldn't like, call him that at all. I think everything that he does, even his whole format in terms of like 
how he tries to make music for everybody. That's not even original for him. There's people who've been doing that way before him. Look at Puff Daddy. Puff Daddy's been doing what Drake's been doing forever. It's just that Drake is it's more acceptable what Drake's doing now, and Drake can actually rap. But mm-hmm. Puff Daddy, you can look at LL Cool J <laughs> making all the types of music for everybody. You can look at um, it's a lot of artists. Will Smith was doing this way before Drake was doing it. People oh give, yeah, I know. People give Drake credit for it, but if you look back in history, there are other rappers who did this. Even if you want to see Jay Z for that matter, what Drake is doing is nothing new. Like you know. Ja Rule was a perfect example of that. Ja Rule was singing on records way before Drake was singing on records and making hit records doing it. But people kind of forget about that history and kind of like, oh, Drake is doing something revolutionary. No, it's not. He's doing the same thing other artists have done before him. It's just now the difference is, is that it's what's popping now. And I've, and I've said this before, I've said this on this podcast. If Ja Rule was to come out today, as opposed to back then, he would be one of the biggest stars in music right now. I don't know about that. If he was to come out with those hit records, what killed Ja Rule was the 50 Cent beef and getting into the mud with pigs in terms of like getting down with it and people stopped feeling Ja Rule because of the whole situation. But if Ja Rule was making hit records after hit records, I was going five times, six times platinum. He was a star. And those records would go hard today. If you think like, like, if you all mean, that you mean stuff the records as they are. Released well, they, today, I, they just, like if those records never came out, they came out today as opposed to back then with a modern sound. They would be hit records. They would be big. I don't know his his voice, like his voice type, his all that was just it was kind of more acceptable back then. You know what I'm saying? It's just like a like a DMX. DMX is a beast, but if he came out today with with a similar sound, but just kind of switched up his flow a little bit, I just don't know if that sound would jump. It was just, and but who see, knows if he, he he probably wouldn't even be the same dude if he but, was, you know. See, there's a difference, though. There's a big difference between Ja Rule and DMX. DMX would not work today because DMX is so street. His DMX was saying shit on his records like, like he was saying wild stuff on his records that would not be acceptable. Today. Even Eminem's having this problem where people are like, nah, you can't say that now, fam. Um, DMX said on the record, I got blood on my dick because I fucked the corpse. You cannot say that on today. People is not having that. This politically correct world is not trying to hear DMX. And- nah, this this world is extremely selective. No one's gonna. No one would really trip about his line, even though it is something weird. Oh, like they hundred percent. They hundred percent would trip about that line, and they're tripping about the stuff Eminem was saying. I think it was like what when that when it was a couple months ago when Eminem's album came out. He said something about he said something about gay people though. Yeah, and they so had a big fit that, that's that's one of the areas where people are sensitive. People are very selective. You say something equally as bad, but about a group or about a topic that people don't really care about, fine. It's like, ah, oh, it's whatever, ha ha jokes. But you talk about you speak about race in some areas, but and the the mainstream is a lot more forgiving about racial. Uh, insults or you know than they are when it comes to you know gay insults so I don't know people are real selective let, about that trash let me ask you this when was the last time you heard a DMX record just in general not necessarily new or anything like that 
DMX used to say some wild stuff on records, especially no, I'm, not, I'm not saying he homosexuals. Did. That stuff would not fly today. Yeah, the gay all. stuff. Yeah, just like you, like I was saying, a lot of that stuff wouldn't. I mean, but you know, a lot of other stuff really get, people don't care about the fact that people are rapping about drugs. Drug culture is a big thing. Lots of uh, freaking murder and all these different things. It doesn't really matter. As long as you don't hit these certain topics, all is just entertainment to them. But yeah, so um, I guess since we're on the topic, Kevin Hart. Yeah, let's get into it. <laughs> yeah. We need to have it on the docket, but might as well get into it. So, what do you think of the situation? It was the top of my my whiteboard right here. <laughs> we just happened to find a uh, decent way to get into it, but I think. I mean, that's just, that's our PC culture. That's our selective PC culture doing what they do. You know what I'm saying? Everyone is on the hunt to find someone that they can throw under the uh, under the bus so that they can feel good about themselves. Well, and that's 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 all I feel about that. I don't think it's really that deep. Um, well, I want to bring in something else that I don't know if you heard about this part of it yet. This other wrinkle that came into the story. The Nick Cannon effect. Did you hear about this? Yeah, I, I read that. And it's... I I don't want to keep... I'm not going to keep saying that word. But people are selective. <laughs> people are, are really are. You know what I mean? And in, I know some people don't believe it, but especially I believe that when it comes to especially black men, you really have to be extra apologetic. And it seems that they really want to make... Almost make you an example. So... When they wanted him to apologize, and they they was like, "You have to apologize," and, and if you don't, then it's we're gonna have to find someone else. It was because they they wanted like a public display of submission from him. Like, yes, you had your belief, you had this is what you thought, but we want to show you in front of everyone giving in to what we believe, and that's how everyone acts in this society. They really, it's like either you're for us. And if you are against us, you have to you have to show everyone that we it's almost like we broke you down and now you can be a part of us. You, you know, we, we break you down and then we can build you up as an ally on our side. At first, when I first saw him, they're like, man, that's not cool putting them out there like that. But then I thought about him, like, you know what? He's right. Because. And I've said this before, like. People do things in the past that they thought like things from 2006, 2005 were acceptable. That's not acceptable today. And the fact that they're bringing out this stuff away in the past to kind of like, oh, we got you, Kevin Hart. You did this, 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 that. You shouldn't be doing this. It's straight up, flat out wrong. It's the same thing they did to James Gunn. And I think if you go into anybody's history and look at their past, some of the past things they did, you can find something about anybody. And I think that was his point. And that it shouldn't be held against anybody because people make mistakes. Yeah. Back then, when they were saying those things, I don't think it was meaning intentionally towards gay people, but that was part of the illegal. That's kind of the the things that were being said back then. And I think people kind of forget that's like, for example, slavery is an ugly part of our history. Not comparing what they were saying to slavery, but it's an ugly part of our history that people kind of try to wash away in a race. Just because slavery happened doesn't mean we should hold it against the white people today. You get what I'm saying? They didn't have anything to do with it. Yes, there are other things they do that are pretty fucked up, 
in in droves. But to sit there kind of like these white people have to pay for the white people of the past is not necessarily a cool thing. I think the country in general, in terms of America, should have some type of penance towards that. But that's not going to make me hate every white person I see on the streets. Yeah, I think the problem is when it comes to situations like the Kevin Hart situation is basically that they seen somebody who was powerful because Kevin Hart is a powerful person. Let's no make no mistakes about it. Kevin Hart is one of the most powerful African-Americans in the movie business right now. He makes hit movies. He employs other black people. And I think people kind of got their feathers riled up when they say, hey, this big powerful guy is going to be hosting the Oscars. And it's not only the fact that he's big and powerful, it's that Kevin Hart's still relatively young. It's not like with Chris Rock or somebody like that or Dave Chappelle. These guys, Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle are already established stars who are old, older now. So there's no threat to that. But uh, Kevin Hart, it's easy to sit there and say, you know what, we're going to take him down. It's easy to say, look, look what he did in the past as opposed to sitting there like, hey, let's let leave that in the past. Even the situation, because see, when I hit, see this situation, I think of the situation with James Gunn. Well, these things happened so long ago and they were never brought up till now, till something big was going to happen. So it's kind of like, it's literally a smear campaign to like take this person down a peg. And I think when we give credibility to that, it, it affects us all. Because then it makes it, how do I say this right? It makes it okay to just throw out smear campaigns towards anybody. Like, let's say, for example, this podcast has blew up and it starts getting really popular and stuff like that. And we start get a, a big interview for this podcast. This might just come out and say, hey, you know what? They said such and such and such 10 years ago. Then all that goes away. And you just keep doing that till you only have who you want in power to be there. And that's not cool. That's not how America works. It's opportunity. And I think sitting there just trying to so-called out people, which is what's, what is basically being now out culture. We're going to out somebody for doing something wrong no matter how long time it is, I think that's going to have a negative effect on this country because if you really look at it, everybody has done something wrong. Everybody has either said something or done something horrible. Nobody is innocent. No one. So you're just going to sit there and out people for the rest of your life? I feel like it's just going to get worse. I feel like it's going to get way worse because it it's uh, it's not just because it's just the culture. It's uh, It's guilt mixed with a culture of insecure people looking to feel self-righteous. You know what I'm saying? So you got the fact that these are things of the past that people did before that people are trying to overcome, right? And so in order to feel like they can overcome it, they want to be like, they want to play like the neighborhood watch game. And they want to point out everyone else that's doing it or everyone that's doing it in the, in the future so that they can feel like they're actually doing a service for society so that you're creating a future that looks nothing like where we came from. To a point, I understand, but also the self-righteousness, it's a whole bunch of insecure people that want to feel a sense of importance. So you, when we talked about this before, the whole SJW culture where people are just hunting people, it's, it's like, you know, it's witch hunting season. Everyone is trying to find someone that they can point the finger at so that they can just make feel the wheels of the PC bus just run right over them. And so that and then after when that happens, they can all clap and shake hands and feel like they did something good. This is the funny thing about this whole situation. 
the whole demanding an apology situation. Who is he apologizing to? Is he apologizing to people he was talking to? Is he just making a blanket apology to the world? How does that make it genuine? It doesn't make it genuine, but like I said, as a black man, a lot of times what they will do is they want they want you to submit. It's a power play to basically say, okay, well, you have your views, but we're employing you. And if you want to play our game, then you need to follow our rules and a way of, it's almost like a, I don't know, it's like a way to qualify. And, and if you're going to play the game, you need to submit. And so you're going to have to go in front of everybody and say what we want you to say. It, it's almost just like a way to put him in check. And he was like, nah, I'm not, I'm not doing that. So I, I applaud him for that. Some people might disagree. Well, I mean, I'm not saying I, I agree with whatever his jokes were. I'm, I didn't, I actually didn't even look him up, but the point is, is if he apologized, it's done. Let it go. Over the years, they, he said he, it's come up multiple times. And he also said like, okay, if you put all this energy into looking for that trash, looking for what I said in the past, you can look up all the apologize, the apologies I've given or, or my responses whenever I was asked about it in the past, but they didn't because they just wanted something to, to, you know, throw on him to see him burn. So, I mean, I, I applaud him for, for just saying, you know what, forget it. I'm, I'm not going to go up there and say it again. You're not going to make an example of me. Find somebody else. Yeah, it's a crazy situation, man. I don't want to get into any more of his tweets and stuff like that because it's a whole rabbit hole of we got other things to talk about. <laughs> the video game awards. <laughs> the Avengers Endgame. I think uh, I think we should hit in, uh, Avengers Endgame because that's like the shortest one. There's really not that much to it. I think... Well, yeah, let's hit Endgame since you want to talk about I was going to leave that one for last, but I'm down with that. You saw the trailer? What do you think? It was way too short. They didn't show that much. I think it was perfect. I think it was I, the best trailer they possibly could have put out. I like the beginning. I like I the, part, the part with Tony... It was like honestly, if they would have just showed that and said it teaser, it'd have been perfect. Well, it, it would, yeah, I if they would have. I no didn't really need trailers. to see the rest. I don't think there need to be no more trailers. Period. Yeah, they they stretched it out. They, I mean, honestly, I, I would take that. I'd take no more trailer. I, I guess we've seen enough. Just leave the rest as a surprise. But of course, we're gonna get trailer two and trailer three, and I probably won't watch three. But I have to see two because. You know, that's when they re- they give the real trailer. I will say this. If they're going to do a second trailer, do a trailer the week after the movie comes out. With what kind of trash? <laughs> they usually do that anyway. You ever seen how they do trailers when the movie, after the movie comes out and it's a longer trailer and it's showing stuff from the movie? Yeah, the um, uh, number one film in America and all that stuff. Yeah, I, I get that. But... Don't do no more trailers for, for this specific movie, I think you want people to see everything and just find out everything as they go into the movies. Like, because it's such a monumental... Let's, let's be clear about one thing. This is a legendary moment in movies. Period. Nothing like this has ever been done before. When you take a whole franchise and build so many movies off of it, and it gets to a point where, okay, this is the big grand finale for this right here. 
even though it's not really the grand finale, it's the grand finale for these characters, these characters that you've known for a decade. Mm-hmm. This has never been done before. On this, not only been done before in terms of like period, but at the level it's being done. Marvel movies aren't really bad. And that's a, that's says a lot. Except for Iron Man 3. But even Iron Man 3 is not really a bad movie. It's bad for Marvel. Bad for Marvel is completely different than bad for everybody else. And that's crazy to say that. Like Marvel has know, yeah. Marvel has set a standard that cannot be replicated. And I think we might have never seen nothing like this ever again. Like, what is it? Phase phase four? The next phase of Marvel movies would never be as good as this phase. It's not possible. Ah, I, th- I think I think they'll do it again. I, I think if they can keep this train going on for another ten years, I, th- I think you know, I don't know about ten years. I think it's going to slow down after a point. I think we're going to see a drop in, in superhero movies. But I do think that because they have established this um, with this generation and. Uh, even the younger generation, the current generation, you know, like all the generations right now, right? So you're going to have, this is going to be a major point, and, and then they're going to create a new fan base later on. So you're going to have the future generations, the, the I don't even know the, the different letters for all the generations, but you're going to have all these people come together and be fans of them through the comics back in the day. Or unless you still read them, but a lot of people, you know, a lot of people don't. But, you know, there was the the big fan base from back in the day. You have the people now that are just fans of these characters from the movies. And then the people that that love them, that will love them in the future, all together, coming together to watch these in the future, however that goes, if movie theaters are still around. Um, But it could possibly possibly be be bigger. Even if that is so, it will never be big as this because it's the first time this has been done. But it and because, and because look at Star Wars. So right. Look at like, Star Wars. Star Wars is true, but even Star Wars dropped the ball. Yeah, recently. But I'm talking about as far as money. Are, are you talking about like quality wise, or are it's you talking about money? Because like even Star Wars isn't this. As good as Star Wars is, Star Wars isn't this. Marvel's been putting out movies consecutively for ten years straight. It has basically not dropped the ball. You know how long Star Wars movies been coming out. <laughs> but they have been, but they have been consistent. But they didn't need to. They they but, had that much of a grand like history that all you needed was the three back in the day, the three earlier in the early two thousands, and then now you got these three, which they they're finally dropping the ball. But even because of the history of those, the, what what is it? The Force Awakens was huge. But even so, this is my point with that. Marvel's been doing it consistently well for 10 years straight. Star Wars had, okay, what it was, 79, 84, 86. That's three movies that people consider classics. That's one run. They stopped for several years, came back 99, what, 2002, 2005, something like that. Three movies that were panned. People don't like those movies. I, I think they're okay. I, I think they were good movies. I mean, people, the last one put me to sleep a little bit, but I thought but the people, other ones were okay. People kind of panned those movies, even though some of the stuff that came out of those movies people loved, like Darth Maul and how like how people loved Obi-Wan Kenobi and the Clone Wars cartoon shows and things like that. But mm-hmm. those movies in particular get panned. 
And now we're to today, at today where the first one, the Force Awakens was loved, generally loved by everybody. People say, okay, yeah, the, the knock on the Force Awakens is that, oh, it's just a retread of uh, the first Star Wars movie. But people still loved it. The Last Jedi is one of the most divisive movies in history. It's trash. Hot trash. And that's my that's the difference. Marvel has been going 10 years straight. And our biggest complaint was, well, Iron Man 3 wasn't that hot. <laughs> but our lowest low is Iron Man 3. And our highest, highest Infinity War. Okay. That is incredible. I- I kind of see what you're saying. Like, I, I thought you were talking about just like as far as, um, as far as impact. Like, oh, they, they know, both have they, they both have the same impact. Star yeah, Wars they both is, yeah major impact. But as far as like consistently dropping quality, I see. Yeah, they both have the same impact. I think Star Star Wars is to that point now that even if this last movie, which I don't think is going to be bad, I think it's going to be excellent. The last Star Wars movie, um, I can't remember the name of it. I think it's going to be excellent because J.J. Abrams is directing it, so I think it's going to be really good. But even that one was the flop. Star Wars Legacy is so well submitted, that will change nothing. People are still going to go see Star Wars movies and things like that. Mm, if it's anything like Solo. But even Solo didn't. Even Solo did well. And Solo wasn't a bad movie. Solo, I Solo. Solo didn't do well. Didn't that mess do? It, I'm pretty sure it did horrible. No, it did good. It did good. It didn't do Star Wars good. That was the problem with Solo. It did good, but it didn't do Star Wars. In my opinion, people are going to get mad about this or whatnot, but I don't care. Solo was better than Last Jedi. By far. Oh, I, I wouldn't doubt that. I haven't even seen it, but but Last Jedi was absolute garbage. And I'm not Solo. even a Star Wars fan. So the fact that I could see that, and I don't even have this attachment to these characters like that, I can only imagine what, what it would be like for someone who's been watching these forever. Solo is a fun movie. And I think, like, a lot of people slept on it. I think The Last Jedi was so bad to certain people, they just like, we're not going to watch Solo. Because we don't care. And I think they slept on a really good Star Wars movie. And it's sad that we're not probably going to get a sequel to that because I think the sequel to that probably would have been Lando. Oh, and that would have been awesome. This movie did horrible. They had a budget of 275 to $300 million. And it made $392.9 million. It succeeded, All, but it was... Overall? Is that including um, Blu-ray sales and stuff like that? Because I heard Solo did very good in terms of like uh, Blu-ray. I can look. I mean, no, no, this is box office. This is just box office. Globally. But, like. but nobody wanted to see it because they were so upset with The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi... And this is not the knock the last Jedi. I don't like it, but I know some people like it. But the last Jedi basically killed Solo. Yeah. People were they were like, okay, well, you ruined our crap. We don't want any more to do with um with the whole Star Wars universe for a minute. You know what I'm saying? Until you guys can maybe redeem yourself in a couple years. I mean, because, man, if they would have done it right, that movie would have, it would have, oh, man. Because you see how, like, I mean, if uh, Infinity War was going to do well anyway, but you yeah. see how Black Panther, the success of Black Panther leading into Infinity War, like, that just, it it bumped it up even more. And you know I, what think I'm saying? The, I think the thing that helped Black Panther, helped Infinity War a lot is that Black Panther was so good. 
Yes. And then it's like it was almost like the return to Wakanda yes. so soon right after that. So everyone just had to go out and, and see it right after. That's that's and one of the I guarantee you, Infinity War got a lot of black people than they wouldn't normally got in there. Because a lot of black mm -hmm. people who would have normally seen a Marvel movie went to see Black Panther, loved it. Oh, it's there in Wakanda? We're going to see this. And that kind of brought money to Infinity War. Yes, exactly. Hey, what you? Oh, go ahead. What'd you get for Black Friday, man? You you get any Black Friday pickups? Oh, a lot of shit, man. A lot of stuff. I can't even name everything I got um, for Black Friday. I got mainly I got a whole bunch of uh, Blu-rays and DVDs, like uh, Gotham's last season. I got like for five bucks, and I was surprised it's actually really good. Um, I, I never watched that. I think it's on Hulu. I might, I might talk about. I mean, I might check that out. I mean, the but first I, couple of seasons are horrible. Mm. But it's like they kind of got to the point where like, screw it, we're just gonna make this as goofy as possible and add as many Batman villains as we can. So now it's kind of to the point where it's kind of almost cartoonish, and it's and because of that, it's really good. Because they're really leaning into the Batman mythos, like they, like the show has every Batman villain in it now, to a cartoonish level of effect. Like the Joker's on the show, Penguin's on the show. Any Batman villain you can think of, basically on the show. This upcoming season is going to have Bane, and you know, and the combos. Those characters didn't come until way down the line, but they just said, "Screw it, we're just going to throw everything at you and see what works." And so is Bruce. Is he older now, or is he just still a kid? I want to say he's 18, 19 now. Uh, so is he is he on the way to becoming Batman? Or? He, he's basically low budget. He's basically Batman. Mm. Like, by the end of the season, it's a clear point. Like, okay, this kid is going to be Batman, like, <laughs> halfway through the next season, the final season. Oh, it's about to end. Yeah, this last the next season... Is gonna is the last season, and um, he's already like fighting crime and stuff like that. Well, he's putting his dipping his toes into the water, and things have happened that are basically set up like I don't want to get in the way no spoilers, but the season finale is sets up a really interesting, cool into the story that I think might be just worth watching just to see what what happens to that. I, I might have to check it out. I don't know. The, the fact that you told me is going to be like two or you know two seasons or more of just hot trash. I don't know if I can do that, but yeah, uh, it's really bad. Yeah. It's really like I like I, I watched the first seasons and the thing about the first seasons where they were trying to take the show seriously and make it about the cops in Gotham, like Commissioner Gordon, and it was not working because it was like they almost kind of made it feel like oh Commissioner Gordon's Batman. <laughs> Well, they gave I, I him guess, that type of feel where he was like unbeatable. I mean, I guess that's the kind Super of vibe, cop. you know. It's like, well, before, before the Batman, the cops had to fill that role, and, and so they wanted to kind of show the uh, the city of Gotham from their perspective, which sounds really cool. Doesn't work. Didn't work for the first two seasons. Does not work at all. But I think around season three, they start getting their footing, and they just said, you know what, we're just gonna make it. Not only make it freak of the week, but we're gonna make it like um almost comic booky. And it works for that show for some strange reason. Like um we're 
We're going to dive into the whole mythos of Gotham, but we're going to start having crazy characters. Characters who probably shouldn't work on TV work on the show, like um, Professor Pibb. You know who Professor Pibb is? Um, From the Batman cartoon show? It sounds he's familiar. He's basically a character who wears, he's like a serial killer who wears a pig mask. Mm, I, I know I've seen him. I know I've seen it, but I just don't remember right now. He's on the show and it and it works really well. How they do do his character. <clears throat> but, but the show, like I said, the show was surprisingly really good. But to end on it, I got like a lot of Blu-rays and stuff like that. I think the biggest thing I got, I didn't get for Black Friday. I got before that. I got um my wife gave me an early Christmas gift. And it's an arcade nice. cabinet. Wow. A full-blown one or a mini? It's the ones they sell now from One Up Arcade, I think they're called. Mm-hmm. And it's like, they're like four feet tall, I want to say. But you buy like a little riser that costs like 30 bucks and it makes it like arcade cabinet size. Mm, that's nice, man. And it's I really see cool. that. That's, that's I got the Street Fighter one. It's, it's really cool. It works just like a regular arcade cabinet. It's cool to have in the house to just sit there and play. And it's a lot of fun. Does it just play one game or can you like, you have a collection well, in there? Well, the one I have has three versions of Street Fighter 2 in it, which is cool. And I wanted that one anyway because I wanted to have something where some, when people come to my house, they can be like, oh, we're going to play Street Fighter against each other. But they have other versions that have like um, Rampage and Gauntlet. Like one box has Rampage, Gauntlet, and um, two other games. I can't remember the other games. One has like Gallagher and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But then they're, they're not expensive. They're like three hundred dollars. Three hundred. Yeah. What, so what, what's it running on? Like, is it like a, a Raspberry Pi or? I don't know. You gotta, you gotta. I, I couldn't tell you. I know you gotta, you gotta, you gotta hook it up and stuff like that. It takes like about a good forty-five minutes to put together. Because it comes like in this flat box, but it's really cool. It feels like an arcade. Hey, it sounds cool, man. And I, I like it a lot. I think if if any if anybody want an arcade cabinet, I think this is the way to go in terms of like pricing. Because it's three, like I said, it's three hundred dollars. And for Black Friday, they had it for two fifty. Dang, you should have put, like, put that out, man, on uh on Twitter. And you know, arcade cabinets go for like. Six hundred to a thousand dollars. Oh heck no! And that's that, that's being generous. Jeez, unless I'm rich, I, I'm not. I, I can't mess around with that. But but for the three hundred or on a two fifty on a sale, you know, if I if I had that kind of money, you know, just extra, hey, I'd go for it, man. Yeah, Send me a link or something. I want to see it. Okay, I'll send you a link to it. All right, cool, cool. But uh, yeah, man, that's uh. So was it was that it? Uh, well, you know, you said you got some other stuff, right? Yeah, but it wasn't not really that much gaming stuff because I don't really buy that much game. Well, with the exception of all the stuff I bought in terms of like um, on like the PlayStation Network and stuff like that. Like I bought a lot of games off of that. I don't really buy that much gaming stuff on Black Friday because a lot of the stuff I already have. Like I like I usually like the stuff I want want. Mm-hmm. I buy it when it comes out. So. I got all uh, like, for example, I got Black Ops Four. I think it is. What is Black Ops Four? Is it? Yeah, the newest one. Yeah. yeah, I got that for free because it was buy two get one free. Wow, nice. 
what else? Did I get anything else major? My wife ended up getting me Fallout 76. Thoughts? It's okay. My only problem with it right now is that I make me want to delete the crap out of it is because it takes up so much space on your hard drive and it kills your da- your data. Like they done did so far, they done did like three updates for this game. Each of the updates have been like 50 to 100 gigabytes a piece. So, you know, and Comcast has a data cap. Mm-mm-mm-mm. That is so, rough. So when you when you have a data cap, and my, the Comcast data cap is like one terabyte. And when you have a, like a game keep downloading 50 gigabytes at a time, you're going to hit the data cap pretty quick. How is that still a thing? Like, how are data caps acceptable in 2018? Yeah, it's really like, and this is, uh, well, we can have this short conversation right now. This is one of the things I was saying how I don't think at this point in time streaming consoles work because so many places have data caps. Unless they can really fix that issue of, hey, we're not going to have data caps no more. We're just going to give you a set price. It's going to be really hard to have a console, especially one of these next-gen consoles, where you just streaming your games in because it's going to just drop, throttle your internet. And every month you're going to have overage charges. Yeah. People are not gonna be able to afford that. I'm, I'm, yeah, that and it's just not even just the caps, like the quality is just so inconsistent all over the place, you know what I'm saying? And the fact that it would really depend on it, it's like it's like the, the how, how no matter how cool it is to have Hulu and Netflix, if that's all you have and your internet goes down, it sucks. You're screwed. Yeah. Yes. I hate that trash. That's why I love having a nice collection of Blu-rays. I mean, other than the fact that like it's just super crisp because it's not data traveling through a cable. It's just like from disk, you know, straight there. You know what I'm saying? It's local. I agree. I agree. That's uh, why I like having. That's why I buy still buy Blu-rays and stuff because I don't like having situations where, especially like I got good internet. My internet's expensive and it's pretty good, mm-hmm. but you still have these moments where you're streaming stuff, especially like cartoon shows, TV shows, and it starts getting choppy. Yeah. You're like no, 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 no. I don't want to hear that crap when I'm trying to watch something and enjoy something. This becomes very annoying. Yeah, especially if you once you start getting into 4K and all that, like I, uh, I'm cool. You know, it's uh, and and stuff goes on sale so much, it, it's not even worth it. You you should never have to buy anything full price because sales are happening every other week. Yeah, you just write a freaking list and just that's see that's the kind of crap that wanted to make me get into nerd frugality, man. And then I started to hit some walls. <laughs> that crap is not easy, but it's, it's just, there's so many deals and people were like, Hey, you know, you, when is this on, when is this on sale? Or when is this on, I, when I started to get into the deals myself, and this is so off topic, but, and uh, you start to get into that, that community. And there's so many people looking for different things. And I wanted to really set that up to be a hub one of them because there's multiple you know uh where people can not just you know come and find out deals but also it was going to be like a community thing with the giveaways and trash like that and eh. all right well since we brought it up <laughs> might as well get into the game awards what did you watch it yeah i did i did watch it what did you think of it where where was the uh where was the transition 
the game awards. We're talking about video games. <laughs> what the heck? I, I, hey, why not? Um, yeah, I did. I did check it out. Um, I, what I got, was your favorite announcement? I actually came in late. I think I was like 45 minutes late. So I missed some things, but I don't, I think the biggest thing I missed earlier on was that moment where they had Reggie and Sean and uh, Phil on stage at once and people were getting all hyped about it. That was cool. I, I wish that it did something with it. Yeah. Like this, at this moment, we're going to announce cross platform play for yeah, all. <laughs> that would have been cool. But just seeing them on stage together, like, Hey, we're together! Yay, video games! It was it was cool to see, but in the sense of like, we know you guys don't hate each other. <laughs> we know it's kind of just the business. Like any person with common sense knows that Reggie and Phil, these guys don't hate each other. They probably hang out when they get a chance. It's just business and competition. But at the end of the day, we're all still gamers. Like if Reggie was to get fired from Nintendo, he wanted to go work for PlayStation. I'm quite sure he'd have a job. I'm sure these dudes got like contracts where you work if, after you work at a certain point, you're like blocked from working in the industry for a, a certain amount of years. <laughs> yeah. I'm quite sure that deals there, but the, it's not like they blood hated each other. It's a blood feud or anything like that. It's cool to see them together. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like I would like to see them announce something cool. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Cause you know, it really was just like kind of a, I don't know, like a a nice business move, political move to kind of take away some of that that toxic vibe away from the Maybe. the gaming industry. Yeah, that a lot of people are trying to put on it. You know, especially after that shooting and people still trying to blame uh, like inspiration from these mass shootings coming from violent video games and stuff. So it's like, yeah, we're not we're not this toxic you know, community full of potential killers. It's just a bunch of people that actually are willing to embrace each other. And it's all about the games and having fun at the most part. So I, I get it, but yeah, it would have been nice to get some cross play. Like what the heck, man? Yeah. So what was, what announcement did you like? Did you see all the announcements? My biggest announcement of the night, well, the, well that I enjoyed the most, I thought Far Cry New Dawn looked really nice. Um, I had actually played any of the other Far Cry games. I thought the biggest, only thing I didn't like was that they spoiled, they spoiled the ending of Far Cry Four, or was it was it Far Cry Five? It was Far Cry Five. I was going to tell you to play that one because yeah. this is the direct sequel to that one. Yeah, they straight up spoiled the ending. It was like, what the heck, man? Like, like that's a big ending they could have found some way to kind of work around that but i i guess it is what it is um I, it looked really cool i was like wow they got like two black females like as the uh as the main characters of this game to represent it i thought that was kind of cool i mean it's well far cry's always been about diversity if nothing else far cry always has these multi-dimensional multi-colored characters as the main characters in their games like um pagan men was one um Vaz was another one that was not necessarily not I, this last one was a straight white male, but that's not normal for Far Cry. Yeah, but I'm thinking it's it's not listen, I'm all I'm I'm happy for other people. When other people get wins, that's nice. 
But the, the, the reason why it was more important to me was because they were black. They were black women. You yep. know what I'm saying? So, you know, so it's it's cool if, you know, if I don't really do the whole people of color thing, like a win for one type of, for one group within people of color, it's a, a win for all that. Nah, it's. That's, I will say <laughs> it, it is, but with a caveat. Like how that is it? The caveat is that you have to say that for all, all people of color. What do you like mean? You can't, you can't only just be like, oh, if we winning, we all winning because you're winning right now. And then when, when my group of people are winning, you're like, ah, oh, I don't like that. And that's what happens sometimes. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's why I never really liked the whole umbrella of people of color, you know, because it, it never works that way. Asian people's problems are not the same as black people's problems. Hispanic problem, people's problems are not, some of them cross sometimes, but things are still different in their own ways. And so that's, I mean, and, and it's never worked out for us politically. You know, if they, no. you ever, you ever see an interview, this is so going off topic, whatever you ever see an interview where someone talks to a politician about, okay, what are you going to do about something about this problem for black people. And it's like, well, I have all these things coming up uh, that are going to benefit uh, uh, for all this. It's going to be a good thing for all people of color. Now, and then they jump right back to people of color when a lot of times people that benefit from these things aren't black. You know what I'm saying? There's potential for them to benefit from it, but it's never actually something dedicated to a problem or just a situation that involves black people directly. And so, you know, I'm, that's i'm going all the way off topic but basically i like that part the game looks really cool um only thing i didn't like also was the uh the voice acting because they always got to do that stereotypical black voice but it's cool yeah all right let me give you my my that's sirens <laughs> on my side for anybody who's listening they're getting pulled on by the cops oh dang but um <laughs> my favorite announcement was uh, even though a lot of people probably wouldn't feel this announcement, my favorite announcement was Marvel Ultimate Alliance coming back. Oh yeah, freaking exclusive for Switch, which is crazy. But I love the Marvel Ultimate Alliance series, and I thought it was something that should have been came back because mm-hmm. they're so fun to play. It's like um, basically Diablo with Marvel characters. Really? Yeah. Is that how it plays? Like, hmm, yeah. I, I I didn't know. I know, yeah, I know my. Go ahead. It's just Diablo with Marvel characters, and it can be up to four players. And that sounds like fun, especially with, with co-op and. Uh, yeah. Is it something like um, like D, was it like DC Universe? Yeah, you could say that. You you have a PlayStation Four, right? Nah, I got PS3 and Xbox oh, even One. Even better, even better. You got an Xbox One. Hmm. Well, shoot, you got a PS3. You could probably find the original Marvel Ultimate Alliance game for really cheap on PS3. Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll hit GameStop because, you know, I'm sure it'd probably be like $2 or something one of these days. I recommend trying them. They're real fun because they have, like, in, even though they're before the whole Marvel blew up with the Cinematic Universe thing, they have mm-hmm. a lot of the characters from the Cinematic Universe, and they, they work really well. And they're very fun games, by the way. Very so- fun with very cool plots. Oh, if it has a good story, I'm down. Always, I mean, gameplay is one thing, but I really need a, a story to keep me going. You know, that's. Um, but yeah, so I'll definitely check that out, especially if they're dirt cheap. Um, I'll, I'll not whenever I go look through the uh, the used 
the use section of a GameStop, I'll definitely keep that on my list. Okay. Other big announcements was um well, I give the big announcement, Mortal Kombat 11. What do you think about that announcement? I thought it was cool. I uh, looks great. I, I love their uh, I love their music choices for the last couple of years. <laughs> that uh, Twenty One Savage. As soon as I heard that, I was like, I know people are gonna be tripping off of this. And then uh, a couple of years ago for uh, Mortal Kombat 10, they had Who's Next, uh, Wiz Khalifa, which that song was fire. Um, this one was cool, but it's uh, always, always some really interesting music. And the, the visuals this time for the reveal, of course, that's not like gameplay, but they looked freaking crazy. Yeah. All right, cool. I agree. Well, two more big announcements that I, I think we should get into. One, not so much. They teased drag, a new Dragon Age game. Did you ever play Dragon Age games? Nah, I got, I think I got one and two. No, was it Origins and two? Um, well, I guess that's it. It's like, it's weird when they say Dragon Age Origins. It's like, at first I was like, is that a prequel? Like, and is, is like Dragon Age 2? Is that like, the, like, where's the, <laughs> where's the. If I'm correct. There was a Dragon Age game before Origins, but it was like, um, let me see, was it PC only or something like that? Oh, that make that would make sense. I'll tell you right now. I want to be I want to be sure when I say this, but I think there was a Dragon Age game before Origins. Mm. Okay, that's what it was. It was called Heroes of the Dragon Age. Is that it? Oh, make sure. Make sure trying to look up Dragon Age's history. But yeah, um I uh, I think I got Dragon Age Origins and Dragon Age 2 cuz you know, you know, with the games with gold, I think I'm pretty sure I got both of them. I just haven't tried them yet. Um always been interested in them though. Been hearing a lot of hype and you know, BioWare's earlier games with the story, they've always been pretty great, so Nope, Origins is the first one. That's weird. I, I guess. That's, weird. That's <laughs> what weird. Kinda, yeah, it was what kind of threw me off, man. But I guess it, it, it uh, if if it's the origin story, it makes sense. But you know, usually they never do that. Usually it's like a prequel or something. But unique way to go about it. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Was there anything else? Well, shit, we dropped the big. Well, Obsidian announced their game. What was it called? Oh, the Outer Worlds, huh? Yeah, that looked very interesting. That looked pretty wild. It looked like Rage meets uh, Bioshock meets Borderlands. It was, it, it looked like a wild mix. I'd be down to try it. Yeah, it looks cool. And, uh, well, let's get to the, the big news everybody went crazy over for that night. It was um, Smash Brothers... And the new character they're adding. Did you see uh, that? Yeah, uh, yeah, I saw that. I, I didn't really. I'm not. I'm not really into Persona. But you I mean, would like Persona. Persona's a very fun game. I think you would like Persona just for the plot alone. It's long. It's a game you probably could play for a whole year. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that sounds rough. But uh. 
I mean, if it's, I, I mean, you know, I take that back because I've played games like willingly for a long periods of time. So I'm not tripping about a, a, go- a game that has a lot of content. And, and, and surprisingly, it's on PS3. So I actually can play uh, Persona 5. Yeah, it's a, it's a very stylized game. And it's really cool. I recommend you playing it. But like I said, it's a, like. It's a game you probably want to play when there's nothing out because it's one is so long and the plot is so well done, it's gonna drag you in. You don't want to, have to stop the story. Yeah, I don't buy a lot of games anyway. But yeah, <laughs> Joker, the main character from Persona Five, is a character on Smash DLC. So as someone that uh, wait wait, you're into Persona, right? So you you played yeah. the games and all that. So someone that you know, as someone that is into the series what did you think was that like a big major thing for you or it's a cool it's cool you know it's i think it's really cool i know a lot of smash players are happy about it because smash is smash brother games are known for getting characters they didn't expect to get in the game and that's one that nobody expected to be in the game so i think that's cool and smash has this kind of dedicated devoted fan base and persona does too for that matter and seeing those two kind of blend together is really cool. And I think people, first thing people are thinking together is, well, if Joker is going to be in Smash Brothers, that obviously means Persona 5 is going to come to Switch. Yeah, do you see that rumor? It was, yeah, I saw uh, that. They were saying like an, an enhanced version of Persona 5 is going to be coming. Well, how enhanced can it possibly be? It was on PS5, PS4. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, it Was there like DLC packs or something? Not really. Like, like, how are you going to enhance it? It looks the best on PS4. <laughs> <laughs> it's enhance not going to look better than on Switch than it did on PS4. They might have like some, um, they might have like some exclusive content for the Switch. Maybe like Probably. some motion controls or I don't know. I don't know what the heck they could do with it. But either way, I'd, I'd buy it on Switch, be honestly. You didn't complete it already? No, I didn't. I didn't complete it already. And even if I did, I still buy it on Switch because I think Persona is one of those games that would be fun to have where you could just play anywhere. Because it's so long, it's kind of meant to be played. It was. It was a handheld game. Persona Four was a handheld game. What made it so cool was you could play it anywhere. So you had when you had time, you just play it for like 10, 15 minutes to kick out that story. And I think Persona Five probably would work better that way. Maybe. Uh yeah, I never actually played a Persona game. I've been I've been slacking. Uh a couple years ago I remember they were talking about what was it? it was like Persona 4 Golden on PS yeah. Vita? Yeah. Yeah, everyone was hyping that up. I kind of wanted to to test it out, but the Vitas were still 200 bucks and I wouldn't really the library just wasn't really there for me. But then they came out with the freaking the PlayStation TV and that sucker went down to 20 bucks or something and I was tripping. I just didn't buy it. And now they're harder to find. I don't know what yeah. I was tripping on. Oh man. One of these days I'm gonna have to though. I think you should get a PS Vita. Vitas are awesome systems. You probably they can sell for hundred dollars now. Yeah, they seem really awesome, you know, and, and the fact that it has that huge library of PlayStation One games available to it and original PSP games, which I so many of them I never played. And, and stuff still coming out for it. 
Yeah, you know, and especially like with with home run and not home run with the free. Um limited run with limited run games like there's so many of those they're still putting out physical releases for it i saw that they had um uh, i was uh, it was a specific game what was that game it was like a fox and he had a big sword and it was like magic and it was a side scroller he wasn't a fox i'm trying to think of what game you're talking about now something tail an elysian tail dust dust i think dust that elysian tail yeah, didn't that didn't they release that physical SP or was it just Switch? I think they did. Oh man, like I, I really should get one. How much are they going for these days? You know, like I said, I think they're like a hundred dollars now. You can probably find a good usual for a hundred bucks. It's just that memory card, man. You gotta go hunting for one of those expensive suckers. Yeah, I, I hope I hope what they say is true, and that Sony's really thinking about coming out with another. PSP type deal and they just do SD man like yeah that would be cool new ones are $200 used ones are running $114 I guess 114 isn't too bad if I can actually you know get a nice library together and I have the extra money yeah plus especially if you got um PlayStation Plus. If you, have, if you have PlayStation Plus, every PlayStation game that is cross-platform with Vita, you basically have a Vita game. What wasn't like PlayStation Plus? weren't they doing like a like a cutoff? Yeah, uh, for, for putting Vita games on it. Mm-hmm. And that's in March. But any games that you got off PlayStation Plus that were also Vita cross-compatible. Still will work like on um, Super Meat Boy, for example. It played on PS4 and Vita. I don't know. I, I'd I'd hope that they wouldn't do like. Oh well, you know what? At the end of 2019, the deal for the the full library of games is going to expire because we're killing off the Vita. <laughs> no. It probably would happen, man. Yeah, it, that's going to be. If you got the game, you got the game. As long as you have your PlayStation Plus, you will own that game. Maybe one of these days I'm, I might get one. But yeah, man. Uh, what else was that? Was that like, yeah. much it? The, the final thing. Let's talk about the before we go. The final, the kind of funny game showcase. Did you oh, get a chance missed, to see it? I, I missed pretty much that whole thing. So I, I think I, I heard some bits. Of, yeah, some bits and pieces. But then I think my, uh, I think the the footage cut out for me. No, no, no. That was when I was watching the Game Awards. That cut out on me. But no, I just I really didn't watch much of it. I heard. The um, the reveal for the uh, Walking Dead, but I didn't hear anything else. Well, I was gonna say that last, but since you already brought it up, <laughs> they officially announced that they're gonna be finishing. Well, this has been announced already that um, Walking Dead's final two episodes of their season, the final season is gonna be finished by um, what is it? Um, Michael uh, Robert Kirkman Studio, Skybound Games. They announced the release date for one of the episodes, January 15th, for episode three, which is going to be really cool. I I am so happy. Like, this is one of the times I, I got, like, I screamed. I was probably more hyped for this than anything at the Game Awards. And it's because of my 
emotional attachment to the Walking Dead series and the fact that I want to see this series end. And I'm happy that it's going to get an ending. And not only is it going to get an ending, it's going to get an ending by people who were making the game. Really? Yeah. They hired people from Walking from the original Walking Dead studio. I think That's they hired awesome. 40 team members. I They're didn't hear anything about manager. that. So That's that awesome. is awesome. Like, and and not even just, yeah, not even just because, like, I mean, in my opinion, like, just because the fact that they'll be able to, you know, finish the game, but just the fact that these people just didn't lose everything because of how that studio collapsed, like, just yeah. so suddenly. And I hope that these two last episodes won't be the last we hear from this team in terms of, like, I hope they decide, like, because Skybound is the company that owns the Walking Dead franchise. So with that being said, I hope they say they, like, can come to agreement with, like, hey, let's just continue this series. It doesn't have necessarily have to do with Clementine, but let's continue making these games. Because there's something there, and I'd hate to see this type of game just disappear. I mean, it, I, think it, I think it might need a break, though. Yeah, a break, I think... obviously. I think it's, I think Telltale, I think they kind of, you know, they, they really drove that one into the ground because, I mean, it was nice because they, you know, they were getting all these different, um, all these different brands and, you know, nice stories and all that. But the gameplay, a lot of people were saying, was just getting old. I think they should just make it like they focus on one series at a time. And then once they're done with that, they move on and really give all their time and attention to another series. And then so people really get that break. But they were just having multiple releases, Borderlands, Batman, Walking Dead, all these ones coming out at the same time with similar gameplay. It really just kind of killed it. It was like what was happening with um, with rhythm games back in the day. It was just getting so much from everywhere. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's get to some of the other announcement that wasn't um as big as The Walking Dead, I guess. But thank you. <laughs> at least to me, it wasn't. But nonetheless, still cool. Um, Mike Bithel, he had a new game come out um Saturday called Quarantine Circular. You know who Mike Bithel is? No idea. He made Thomas was alone. Thomas was alone. I enjoyed that game. The game with the blocks. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he announced the game, and it came out yesterday for Switch. Um, Super Meat Boy Forever was announced. It comes out on April 2019. Um, the Messenger, you ever played The Messenger for Switch? I think it's for other consoles, too. Mm, no. It's Is like, that a, it's like It's like a ninja guiding type game. Oh, no. Well, I definitely haven't played that one. It looks pretty cool. But it's getting free DLC. There's a new Conan Tower Defense game. Yeah, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> but it's a big budget game. Um, let's see what else. It's a, it's a lot of things that got announced. A lot of noteworthy games that got announced for the system. For all systems. I think it was a really cool thing to put a highlight on these indie games. That that necessarily probably wouldn't get the um the love that they're getting on this showcase. Mm-hmm. Another one is called Moving Out, which is this 
physics-based puzzle game about moving into an apartment and stuff like that. That was a cool yeah. one I saw. On this. It was a whole bunch of games that was announced that looked really cool. I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. I'm looking up some of them right now as we speak. The Go main ahead. one, I think, um, was everybody was going crazy over was Judgment. Mm-hmm. Judgment is the game that was announced at E3 that's by the creators of um, the Yakuza series. It looks like a Yakuza-type game, but it's very different in this English voice acting, and it looks pretty, pretty cool. Was that the one about the uh, the dude that was blind? What, uh, Yakuza? Or the I Judgment game? Judgment. No, Judgment is like, um, it looks, it's like about a lawyer and something happened with a court case and he has to like figure out what happened. It looks like a Yakuza type game. It looks really cool. Oh, uh, yeah, because I remember somebody, I think it was the same company. They were coming out with some, it, remember that that trailer and it was this dude, he was walking down an alley, turns out he was blind. And then these dudes try to attack him, which was like, like yeah, this guy's blind, let's attack him. And then he, he starts beating the mess out of him. Oh, I, don't know I know what you're talking about. What is that game called? I own that game came out. And it's not here. Yeah. What? It's that Square Enix game. He's I think he I don't know if I don't think he's black, he's deaf. Is he? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right, you're right. It's not good. I can't remember the name of it. I cannot remember the name of it for the life of me right now, but it's not good. Oh dang. That sucks. Well, I guess that's why you shouldn't judge a game based off a CG trailer. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, dang, man. Well, you, you looking up, you looking up, uh... I'm trying to find the name of this game. I might have to, like, when I get off, I'm about to, uh, let you know the name of that game. But I cannot remember the last something. I was talking about this game the other day. But it's really, really bad. What makes it so bad? It's just everything. Like, the game is not good. It's not a well-made game. Like, one of the things about the game is it tries to, like, emulate being deaf. Like, like some parts of the game, well, basically the whole game, first of all, foremost, doesn't have any talking in it. Because it's supposed to be, like, through the perspective of a deaf person. But with doing that, you don't know what the hell is going on. Like people are talking and you don't know the plot. Wait, what? Yeah. So, wait, we say that again? Yeah, just what I said. Um, people no, no, are no, talking. I, the the uh-huh. character's supposed to be deaf, right? Yeah. And because the character is deaf, they took the vocal tracks out of people's talking, so you don't hear the characters talking. Oh, and, and it's just subtitles. No, no, no subtitles. You don't hear nothing. They don't tell you nothing about the plot, so you don't know what the hell's going on. What? <laughs> yeah, it's did, so weird. I didn't even hear. I I don't know. I I, was, I must have zoned out or something for a second. I just, I did not hear you say that part. That is the stupidest trash. Like that would have made sense if it's just like you see the characters mouthing, and then you see some subtitles. Like that would have been kind of cool, you know. But wow. That's so it's just like a random beat him up, no story, because he can't hear anything. It's a story, but you don't know what the hell's going on because they're not, you don't hear what they're saying. You don't know what the hell they're talking about. 
It's so weirdly made. I can't remember the name of it. And so this came out in the U.S. or is it just yeah, still in Japan? I bought the game when it came out. It like stealth released. I guess, man. That's that's horrible. They made yeah. such a. They gave it its moment, like at E3, and it was. I'm pretty sure it was E3, right? Yeah. Yeah, where they had they showed it right next alongside all these other games, but maybe it was just padding because they just didn't have that much stuff. That was at the Square Enix. They had their own little showcase, right? Yeah. I'm going through the PlayStation blog drops to see if I can find it. <laughs> I found the name of it. It's called The Quiet Man. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember now. I, not, as soon as you said, I was like, I can remember the text seeing that it stuff. It came out November 1st. Dang. That was that was recently. I, I didn't hear anything about it. Because it is not good. That is so bad. Now I got, I got to go watch some gameplay after this. Mm-mm. It's a doggone shame. But... Uh, I think I, I, I said all the main announcements from the kind of funny conference, which I think is cool. I think they should keep doing stuff like this. It's a big, a big move. Yeah, I was surprised to see that kind of funny is having their own game showcase. You know, so I mean, they're 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 really becoming more legit. You know, they're they're trying to hit that IGN level. You know. I mean, IGN doesn't even have anything like that. I think, that's that's big I stuff. I think this is a ga- this is a game changer. Like if if kind of funny can sit there and um put on a showcase which was very well done, mm-hmm. like this, what's stopping people from like Giant Bomb or smaller people doing stuff like this, like talking to indie studios, like hey. Let's do a little showcase for your games. This is something that's cool and it kind of shows even more so that we don't really need these big video gaming sites no more like we used to before. Yeah, but I mean, like, I don't, only thing I don't like is that it kind of takes away from E3. I mean, and I know E3 is just, everything changes. So E3 is going to be on its way out at some point. It's it's just it's just the way it's going. The, the big three, they're, Every year they're starting to decide that, well, it'll just be better to do our own thing. Um, and if they can get the eyes, they can get the same amount of eyes on their product without all the money being spent for stage space and, you know, giant screens and just all that crap. I, I, business, business-wise, it makes sense. But when you do something like um, a kind of funny indie showcase that takes away from content from E3 or or any of these other bigger things that we might have during the year. So it makes, it gives them less of a reason to even show up. So, but you know, see, I agree with that to one point. One problem with that. The fact that most of these games that they showed would not have been on the East 3 stage at all. They're small indie games, with the exception of Judgment and the Walking Dead thing. They're all small indie games that probably wouldn't have got the love they've gotten. So... I think that it's cool to have a little kind of showcase like this showing these games that you probably wouldn't even know we existed. But e- but Xbox and Microsoft, not Xbox, Microsoft, okay. <laughs> Xbox and uh, PlayStation, 
for like the last couple of years, you know, like near the end of the the showing, they would usually have like an indie reel and they just kind of go over it quickly, all these different games. And they'd be like, wow, that looks real cool. What's that? You know what I'm saying? So, and that adds padding to the show. But I guess, I guess to the indie studios, it's better to actually have a full-blown indie showcase and not be, you know, overshadowed by these big monster games that are being shown on the same stage. So yeah, let's honestly speaking, what happens most of the time is um you see something cool, like, oh, that looks cool. The next thing you know, The Last of Us 2. And you forget all about that game they showed you 30 minutes ago. That is very true. So the, this gives it their own time. So I'm I understand. It just kind of sucks to see something that, you know was just a part of the norm about to be split off. I mean, and I really wouldn't have an issue with, I guess, um, if Xbox had their thing, um, if they turned Xbox Fan Fest into like just an Xbox conference and they did their own showing and Nintendo still happen. did their... Yeah, you know, it, it'll be just... These things are going to happen because I think E3 is very expensive and it's boombastic. I think these companies are getting to the point where they're like, we can save a whole bunch of money. We just do this ourselves. Yeah, and, and it'll be all eyes on them. So it's that's yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, I I guess you know, I can just, just try to set plans to go to what is it, PlayStation Experience instead of E3, which, which wasn't this year. Yeah, I. Uh, I mean, after that last experience I had at E3, I don't really know if I wanted to go back to that again. It was, it was, it was way too overcrowded. I heard it was way less going on in previous years, so people didn't really like the fact that they opened it up to the public. But I mean, it it was still enjoyable. It was just so many people. Yeah, I had to I had to wait a good hour and a half to finally play Mario. <laughs> this was, you know, of course, last year um, before it was released. Um, so it was just man, it was so much going on, but it was still pretty cool though. But anyway, all right, man. Is there any other thing you want to talk about right now before we go? We've been going for a minute. Yeah, man. Jeez, what? Uh, oh god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like a good hour and a half. I'm out. I'm gonna cut this down anyway. I'm gonna chop some parts, but for the most part, um, no, I, th- I think that's pretty much it. We hit everything. Yeah. All right, man. So uh, unless you got some stuff you want people to know about, you got a, something you want anyone to check out? or No, nah, they know where to go. Delvin Cox Experience, which is now on Spotify. Um, hey, nice. Yeah, that's cool. Um, is there anything else that came up that was big? I'm trying to think. Nothing I think I'm off the top of my head. I'm quite sure something happened. But I can't think of it right now, but yeah, just check out the podcast. Check out the one you listen to, obviously. Um, nothing else I can think of right now. All right. Hey, well, I guess that's about it. I guess we're going to sign off. So, um, thank you everybody for listening. Um, if you, if you listen on iTunes, please make sure to go over there and give us a rating, subscribe so you can get episodes whenever they come out. Um, definitely make sure to go subscribe to, um, my Skyward King YouTube channel. So if you if you like to watch it on YouTube or listen on YouTube, you get those as soon as they come out. Um, also on Spotify, Google Podcast app, or pretty much any app, um, podcast app 
available. You can find the Skyward Cash. Just type in the title name and you're good. Um, and I guess that's pretty much it. Uh, follow me on on Twitter. Um, if you if you haven't already, twitter.com slash King or just at King if you search through the app and follow Delvin, as he said. And I guess that's it. Talk to y'all later. Peace. Peace.